What's going on, beautiful people, travel family near and far? Welcome to another broadcast from Point Noir, home of the Point Noir podcast, where we not only inspire but equip men of color to go out and see the world. And before I even introduce myself, I just want to say that, listen, David, I know you're listening to the show. You've been listening to the show, but yet you haven't submitted to get a free passport and you know you don't have one. But you see all these lit trips on the gram. You know you want to go explore and see different stuff. David, we're here for you, bro. Bro, it's okay. It's okay. We got other people who've been through the same process. And guess what? It works out. We have nine men of color we sponsor to get their passports. And David, you could be the next. All you have to do is hit us up at Point Noir Show, check out our highlights, and if you're over the age of 21 and a man of color, David, yes, you, you two are qualified. So, once to get that out of the way, David, you know what to do. Expect to see your entry later this month. As always, I'm your host doing the most today, Jerry the Third, aka Kimono Jack. And this is the 39th session of the Point Noir podcast. We have a great show lined up for you. David, you know what to do. And guess what? If your name isn't David or you know a man of color who's over 21 and doesn't have his passport, whose name may or may not be David, uh, tell him to hit us up on Instagram. All the instructions to get his passport are there. So definitely share the word. And if you're interested in learning more about how to get into podcasting and what it can do to build your message or to build your brand, I will be in Atlanta March 30th. And for more details on that, I'll share them on the show as they become available. But if you're really interested, we can get you signed up and registered now. Just shoot me a message at Point Noir Show. Come on, Jack. I'm here to answer your DMs all day, every day. So podcasting event coming up in March. And David, get your entry in for this month, March. So with that all being said, let's introduce today's special guest. Joining us today at The Point as our special guest is Rick Southers. You can follow him on Instagram at Rick underscore on the run. And really, if you have the opportunity, please grab some paper and a pen or a pencil to take notes because he gives a lot of value in this session. Everything from how to manage your PTO at work to some of his best travel deal sites, all the way to what it's like to sneak liquor on board a cruise ship. We seriously go over a lot. So I appreciate Rick for sharing so much value and his experience on the show as always. And really, that's all I can say about this one. We talk about boats a lot. Rick loves water and boats. I'm a big fan as well. So we kind of explore his journey through South Africa, through the Caribbean, starting with the cruise life, through Venice, Italy, and what that meant to him. And it's just a great perspective on what travel can mean. And he has a bunch of adventures coming up that you guys definitely want to be hip to. So as always, grab your refreshing beverage of choice, find a cozy chair or couch cushion to sit back and relax in, and get ready for another amazing time at the point. I'll see you on the flip side. What's going on, Rick? Thanks for joining us today at The Point. How are you feeling today, fam? I'm feeling very well. It's a sunny day outside, and thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Of course, man. And uh, Dallas got their weather together, and now it's sunny. It's 70. It's feeling good. Just feeling a lot of good vibes on this afternoon, so I'm glad we're in a similar you know, uh, mind space on that. That's what's up. Yeah, man. Spring's coming. Yeah, for real, for real. Dallas was playing, bro, with these 30-degree days. I was like, dude, you tripping. <laughs> I can relate. And before uh, we started talking, you mentioned you were in uh, Pittsburgh, and I share with you that I think Pennsylvania, because I'm a native son of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is in the top five best states of all time, no questions asked. And if you don't agree, you're tripping. 
Absolutely, man. Pennsylvania built the country. It's the original capital of America. It's a lot of history here and a lot to offer. That's exactly right. So I just wanted to make sure we could beat our chest, talk that talk real quick before we talk about your travel <laughs> adventures. Um, so yeah, bro, uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about how you got into traveling, where you're from, how you grew up, and um, how you kind of got into this travel lifestyle? Sure, absolutely. So like I said, I'm from Pittsburgh, but I wasn't actually born here. I was born in Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay. So uh, my mom's family is all from the Carolinas, very Southern family. Um, but I've been here since I was a baby. So, you know, this is my hometown. Right. But um, growing up, my mom always made it a point to get us outside of the city and to see other things. We uh, traveled up and down the, the East Coast a lot as a kid. You know, we did the Virginia Beach vacations and visited relatives all up and down the coast. So I guess you could say that was kind of a start. I wasn't trapped in my own neighborhood like a lot of people around me might have been. So I saw some things growing up. But um, my first international trip wasn't actually until after college. Really? Yep. Yep. Uh, me and a couple of my friends took a cruise to the Bahamas on a whim. Somebody had one of those deals where it's like, you know, if you've been before and you bring a friend, you get a discount. And I was like, let's do it. Word. <laughs> do any other countries have that sort of discount? Because uh, I got some friends that need to travel. <laughs> called Carnival Cruise Line. Sebastian has been my agent. Oh, Carnival. Okay, okay. It's a guy named Sebastian who's taken care of me since about 2011. <laughs> wow. Okay. But yeah, that's how I got started. Shout out to Sebastian. Absolutely. Coming from Pittsburgh, you mentioned a lot of people in your area or you know neighborhood didn't have the opportunity to even take vacations domestically. Did you notice that that kind of changed how you view things, having more of an open mind than just what was going on immediately in your city? Definitely. I think I had a little bit more awareness of my surroundings. I could see the big picture a little easier right. than some people. And I was able to relate to people, you know, I interacted with people in different states and different cities, you know, even before I had went abroad. So that definitely helps develop you growing up. For sure, for sure. And one thing that we always promote here on the show, and I have to say it extra loud because we have so many brothers like yourself who've you know, traveled around the world, hit six continents, things like that, that domestic travel is really where it starts. If you want to have an adventure, if you want to um, open up your mind, the United States is so diverse. You don't have to go far to have a completely new experience. Man, that's so true. Some of my best, best trips have just been road trips throughout the United States, honestly. There's so much to see, so much I still haven't seen. Yeah. So before we jump into the, um, the your first international trip, because I have questions about that, what are some of the road trips you've taken uh, domestically? Because that's something many of my guests have done before. And a lot of people you know, prefer to get on planes, but there's a lot of beauty to be seen on the road. Man, I've really done a lot. So we used to drive to drive 19 hours to Florida mm -hmm. <laughs> for spring break. <laughs> so that was that was a time. We would stop in uh, Charlotte halfway for CIAA weekend, mm -hmm. and then we would continue on down to Miami for the rest of the trip. Um, so that was that was in college. That was good times. But um, I've done a lot of different things. So I've been out to Colorado and been skiing up in Breckenridge, uh, one of my close fraternity brothers. So that was a completely different experience, you know, driving up a mountain a couple of hours. Right. Trying to breathe. <laughs> Trying to breathe. I have a funny story about that, too, running out of breath in an airport and missing a plane. But <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Wow. good times. I did a 
California, Arizona, Nevada desert road trip. Okay. With my cousin, and that was an amazing time. Like we went and saw um, Horseshoe Bend and Antelope Canyon. Uh, we didn't make it to the Grand Canyon because we didn't realize how complicated it was to actually get access. Yeah. So it wasn't well planned out, but we drove out from from Vegas and had had a hell of a time. Okay, that's what's up. And real quick, because I do love the southwestern part of the United States, can you talk about the colors that you saw when you were traveling, like the reds, the oranges, like the desert is a is a full painting palette, isn't it? Man, it's it's, it's even hard to describe, really. Right. All the different colors of rocks and the different formations. We took this um, tour bus out to the desert from, from Vegas, and I couldn't even go to sleep. I was too busy looking at the scenery. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. That is really real. Wow. Well, I mean, not to harp on the geological features of our nice nation, but um, that's, I mean, I really appreciate you sharing that because there's so much beauty here and I can't impress it enough because of course we're going to talk about your dope international trip. So tell me about this first trip going out to the, uh, to the Bahamas when your carnival cruise. And I'm really curious, what took so long to, to get out of the country for you? I'm not sure what took so long. College, it wasn't a focus of mine, honestly, traveling. Okay. Um, I was having so much fun doing road trips just up and down the coast mm-hmm. that I wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking outside of that at the time, but um, I was always curious about it. So once the opportunity arose and made it kind of easy, I guess that's when it happened. So it's always about you know accessibility and how convenient things are for people. Right. I think that's uh, a hindrance for a lot of people when it comes to international travel is the accessibility and uh, just not knowing what to do. Like we we learned a lot of lessons actually talking about that first international trip me and uh <laughs> me and my good friend steve who've been friends since first grade and wow. yeah i'm putting you out there <laughs> uh showed up showed up at the port with with no birth certificate no id like he was supposed to <laughs> wow wow yeah he thought because uh he was a military member uh he serves in the navy yeah. he assumed that he was just all good because you know when he travels with the navy he just uses his military ID, but that was not the case when we went to get on a cruise. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure someone kindly reminded him. They said, uh, the side of this boat does not say U.S. Navy, so um, I'm sorry, <laughs> sir. <laughs> so did he get on the boat, or he had to stay home? He he made it on. Um, it was a long ordeal. They had him in this back room. He was calling home to try to get you know somebody to send fax over his birth certificate or send pictures of it. Wow. And, um, it, it took a while. He was the very last person to board the boat. I was actually on the boat and I thought I was alone. I called <laughs> I called home and told my told my mom, Steve messed up. He let me get on the cruise all by myself. I don't know what to do. I guess I'm gonna try to enjoy myself. And then he pops up on the Lido deck. <laughs> he was like, That's they let me up. on. That's what's <laughs> up. I mean, everybody gets one. Everybody gets one of those experiences where they're like, oh, oh, y'all were serious about the documentation. Oh, my bad. Right, right. But better to have that as one of your first experiences than your 10th where you've been coasting, chilling, and now you're suddenly surprised once you get more sophisticated with your planning. But that's a great story. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Lesson learned. So what was that experience like? Um, so did you tour islands or uh, what, what was the trip exactly? Um, so it was only a three day but we had an overnight in the Bahamas. So okay. we did we get did get to get out and about a little bit around the island. We did, of course, you know, the typical when you get off the boat, everybody goes to Senior Frogs. But then we ended up <laughs> um walking through the island a little bit, found some local clubs and ended up eating, you know, conch fritters and mingling yeah. with the people a little bit. 
we definitely got around and saw some things. So it was eye-opening. It was yeah. eye-opening for sure. First Caribbean experience. What was the most surprising thing, if any, um, if of any of your experiences? Like, what was the biggest surprise? I'm trying to think what might have been a surprise. You know what? The contrast between, like, where we got off the boat, which was kind of like uh, a little bit more of a local vibe. There were still a lot of residential houses and whatnot. So yeah. when we went over, we went over to where the Atlantis Resort is. Mm-hmm. And it was like a whole different world, like million dollar yachts. Um, Diddy was having a party that night. Like, I was like, what is this? <laughs> right. This is not where we just came from, where all these people were over here, you know, sitting on the street selling straw hats. <laughs> so that, that contrast, that contrast was definitely interesting. Right. Definitely seeing that an island you know, can have different aspects depending on who's who's visiting there. Like luxury resorts are a real thing and they seem a lot more like home, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do, except for the price. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Home on steroids. Because uh, yeah, Diddy exactly. also isn't throwing parties every weekend where I live. Yeah. That's what's up. So after that, how did your international journeys and experiences kind of progress? Was it a while before you took your next trip? Did you hit the islands for a little bit? What was that journey like? So after that trip, I actually got hooked on cruises for about two years. Okay. And I did them back to back. I was doing two, three cruises in a year to different places. Um, So I made it to Jamaica, Turks and Caicos, the Caymans, probably a few other places I'm forgetting. But I did a bunch of cruises back to back for about a two year period. And then I was ready to just jump out and do something else. I went to Mexico. That was my very last cruise. I actually took my family on that one. And then from there, I started going across the ocean. I was like, all right, I'm ready. Let's switch it up. I've seen enough of islands and (laughs) the Caribbean. But I appreciate that you stuck to one thing. You must know a lot about cruise ships. And we haven't had somebody that was really knowledgeable. Two years on cruise ships, you you know about cruise life. Can you tell people who've maybe never been on a cruise? And I myself, I just got on my first cruise. It had to be about a year ago. Never been on a cruise ship before. Can you tell people, you know, what some of the pros and cons are of traveling that way? Because it's a great option. Right. So the pros, I'll start with the pros first, because I'm still a fan of cruises, even though I haven't done one in a while. Hell yeah. Everything is planned out for you. So that's nice. If it's your first time traveling out of the country, you want to see another place or you just want a quick getaway, they're affordable. You can get on a cruise for two, three hundred bucks for an extended weekend. And it's nothing, you know, fly down to Miami. Or Fort Lauderdale is even cheaper. Mm. And then hop on a cruise and you got just a couple hundred dollar weekend where everything's planned out for you. All your meals are included and you just have nothing to worry about. So that's nice. Definitely. Um, So the cons, which I've actually heard usually from people who have never been on a cruise before, is they want to spend more time in the destination. Right. Which is is fair. Um, I get that. For me, especially when I was younger, the cruise was all about the party. So the party's on the boat. I'm not here to to see the Bahamas more than a couple hours. You know, I'm here to be on the boat, to party, to mingle with people, look at the water. So if you're going to, you know, actually explore a destination where you need time, then a cruise is not for you because you're not going to get more than maybe 18 hours in one destination. Right. And that's not what they're designed for. Not at all. That's not what they're designed <laughs> not for. Not at all. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's real, uh, especially keeping it in terms of, you know, uh, the the pros and cons. You did a good job of outlining those because, hey, if you're expecting to get this deep cultural connection, you're you're simply not going to have the time. But if you want to see a lot of stuff or some different stuff for a pretty good price, I think cruises 
are a good point. Plus the party scene, like it's real. Right, right, right. You're going to have a good time. You're going to meet people from all over the world. And they have casinos and I like to gamble. So I'm with that. <laughs> oh, you want to gamble. I'm not. I am not a gambler. Oh, I mean, don't worry about it. We, we all have our vices, you know what I'm saying? And cruise odds are not friendly. If you're thinking you're just going to pull up to a $5, you know, blackjack table playing, you know, paying three to two, it's not going to happen. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Uh, So real quick, did you always take carnival cruises or did you uh, experiment with different cruise lines? Do you have a preference now? I've only ever done carnival because um, I was accumulating points. And as you as you move up in their, their VIP system, you get perks, you know. When I get on a cruise now, I'll have a bottle of champagne waiting on me in the room. I'll have a, you know, 50 to $100 credit at the bar. Hey. So loyalty programs are real. Okay, very similar to kind of like credit card or airline rewards miles. Exactly, exactly. Something you want to accumulate. That's awesome. And have you integrated your credit cards and, you know, your spending habits to build you points for cruises as well? Or you've kind of transitioned to more general travel? Um, yeah, so not necessarily targeted towards cruises but i have gotten really good at you know that credit card arbitrage with the rewards yes yes i like this and last question because i know someone's going to ask talk to me about the booze cruise sort of deal if someone says hey cruises are expensive and um not cruises are expensive but alcohol on cruises are expensive do you have any experience sneaking your own bottle of champagne on because some cruises (laughs) let you actually bring a bottle you just have to do it the right way yeah there's a all right so i can talk through this because you know, at that time in my life, this is a heavy focus of my planning. It's important, bro. It's important. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's a few different ways to go about it. You are allowed um, one bottle of champagne and or wine mm-hmm. um, that you can take on the cruise, but they hold it. They hold it for you and you can only have it uncorked at dinner. Okay. The other ways to go about this. Um, oh, man, this is actually going to turn into some funny stories. Let's do it. <laughs> Other ways to go about this. So one year we brought a bunch of bottles. We had a friend with us who actually works at a bar. So he gets in the wholesale price, huge mm-hmm. bottles. Um, So we fill up the bag with bottles, you know, nothing secretive about it. And we just tipped the guy who takes your luggage really heavily. And that worked. Okay. So we tipped him. I don't want to say we might've gave him 60, 60 bucks, maybe. Right. To bring on what? $300 worth of liquor. Exactly. Exactly. Way too much for us. We were sharing with everybody. So we we went about it that way once. Um, that doesn't work all of the time because there's other people to do handle your luggage or some people just aren't up for that. That's kind of out of your control, but right. other ways to go about it. So this one time we met these girls on the boat who packed liquor inside of like cosmetic bottles, like lotion and shampoo bottles. Mm-hmm. And we later found out that they did not rinse those bottles very well. And we were like burping bubbles. And oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a wild. That was a wild night. Because yeah. <laughs> you'd be yeah. drinking, you'd just be like, but how? How? Why did you why yeah. did you do this to us? <laughs> yep. Yeah. We were drinking shampoo mixed with who knows what. But yeah, mm. that was rough. But the surefire way. Um, that hasn't failed me yet is to buy those plastic flasks. Mm-hmm. Um, they lay flat, folded between your clothes, and they're pretty much undetectable unless you, your bag gets chosen for like a random full search. They're not going to find it. Right. And they don't full search every bag. Not at all. Plastic flasks, you can find them at uh, 
Uh, tell them where you can find it because you're the expert on this right now. Amazon.com. You can find them in Spencer's. <laughs> <laughs> Spencer's in the back where they sell all the flasks. <laughs> they got them. Right. Yep. See, sage advice. This is important. And it's funny because a lot of people have been asking me, you know, what about bringing alcohol on flights? And I'm like, I don't condone that. You, If you're drinking in the air, that's on you. But you're going to be on the boat for a long time and it actually saves you money versus just needing something to calm your nerves on a plane. I'm not, I don't totally support that. Yeah, I'm with you. And you get dehydrated as a mug, especially when you drink like me. I'm just like, y'all drinking these these soft drinks. Like, <laughs> stay oh, no. with it. I can't do it. I can't do that. <laughs> No, I don't need to land in a new country blasted. <laughs> yeah, that's not for me. I sleep through every flight anyway. Yeah, but shout out to my mini bottle gang. You know, y'all trifling, <laughs> but I love you. <laughs> okay. All love. All love. Exactly. All love. Um, if not, you know, let's get into it in the DMs. You don't want this smoke. So talk about your first international trip overseas, bro. Where'd you go? Why? And did you bring friends along too? Yeah, so my first international trip overseas was actually to um, Cape Town, South Africa. Wow, okay, great. Yeah, yeah, so I went a long way, long flights, um, but an amazing experience. One of my favorite places ever in the world that I've been. It's kind of a place where you can do anything you could imagine. You know, right. there's there's city life, there's nightlife. You can drive out to the country and, you know, go on a safari. We went uh, great white shark diving. We rappelled down Table Mountain. We went over to uh, Robben Island where Mandela was imprisoned for 18 years. Mm-hmm. And that was a that was a really eye opening day. Just about, you know, the horrors and the reality of apartheid. Things that right. I, I could have never imagined. So, yeah, it was a complete trip. You know, we turned up. We we had adventures, we explored, we got some education in at the same time. It was a it was a complete trip. And yeah, I went with uh about six of my fraternity brothers. And okay. uh one of them brought their girlfriend along and he proposed while we were there. In the shark cage, right? <laughs> he should have, you know, that would have been better, but <laughs> that's the flex. We could we couldn't get her on the boat. Got you. Fair she enough. Did, she did not she did not come on the shark adventure. <laughs> Touche. But yeah, he proposed, and I actually did the uh, engagement shoot right on the spot in Cape Town. So that was dope. Okay, that's what's up, man. So why South Africa? Um, why did we choose South Africa? That's a good question. Could have been a flight um, deal. I mean, any answer is a good answer. It was a place I always wanted to go. I'm trying to remember who made the decision. I think it was a flight, a flight thing. Actually, we got that flight for pretty cheap. We flew through London. Mm-hmm. We had to stay in London for about 12 hours. It was one of those long connections, but it's worth it. I'm not opposed to long layovers in cool places. So, Yeah. Yeah, it was a cheap flight. I think that's what got us there. That's what's up. That makes sense. We always talk about chasing that deal on the show because it gives you opportunities to see some dope shit. Absolutely. And did you have any sort of anticipation of this, especially being your first time going to Africa? Did that mean anything for you? Did you kind of search for some meaning in the culture and identity there? You know, it meant more to me after I had actually arrived. Mm. I didn't put I didn't put much thought into it in advance about, you know, the significance of going back to the continent. But right. once I was there and started, you know, meeting the people and people were asking, you know, where are you from? And you're like, I really don't know. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, so it was a lot. It was a lot that hit me in the moment, but not something I premeditated. 
Right, 100%. And this was probably one of the, well, no, you'd been to the islands before. But one thing that always stood out to me on my first trip to Africa and many of our guests' first trip to Africa is often their first time being surrounded by people with the same skin tone of them. Even in Cape Town, it's still mostly black down there. It is. It is. It is still mostly black. And the people were so warm and welcoming. I was telling my friends when we were there, like, this is like the Twilight Zone. Like, how is everybody, <laughs> everybody so friendly and, and wants to talk and get to know you? Like, it was crazy. I didn't want to leave. You know, pe- people people would tell you, welcome home. And <laughs> we had people uh, run up to us. We're pretty big guys. So we kind of looked like a football team walking around. And they're like, you guys, you guys must be from the Congo. We don't have muscles like that in South Africa. <laughs> yeah i'm like I'm like maybe yeah is that gonna get me the uh, the in-house african discount because i'm down with that right all day that's what's up that's what's up any um anything that you learned about the area that just really surprised you uh one thing for me was um the wines in south africa i didn't know the wine game was so deep out there anything just stand out to you you're like i didn't even know africa produced this experience or produced this product Man, so definitely that, because I remember going in, once we found out about the wineries, yeah. I remember going into a store and asking, you know, which ones are the local ones so that I can take one home? And they were like, all of them. Right. <laughs> all these. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. The whole store. Oh, okay. So that was definitely a standout. One thing that stood out to me was actually um, a little more on a serious note was the tension like apartheid being so recent mm-hmm. and the tension between between you know the Bantu and the Afrikaans or the white folks that are still occupying South Africa mm-hmm. um we actually had some had, had some close calls and encounters and a lot of uh interesting situations and people looking at us crazy i remember the one night that was kind of shocking for us so we all kind of looked like wow is this real um uh, we were headed out to a bar on long street for those who don't know, it's kind of like the main strip downtown where people hang out. And um, the bouncer says to one of the girls that's in our group, um, no black girls tonight. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And she was a local. So, you know, she she, you know, popped off a little bit like any like any woman would being disrespected. But it, she wasn't in shock like we were, you know. Right. Like it was normalized to her. And that that really hit home on, you know, just how recent that is for them. You know, apartheid for them ended in the 90s, which is equivalent to civil rights for us, which was the 60s. So, right. We we feel like that's still recent. But for them, that's like yesterday. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's incredible. Wow. Yes. OK. Yes. So there were a few little sticky situations like that that were eye opening. I, I can only imagine. I haven't spent any time in Cape Town I, I get a sense of the vibe there. It's a little bit more, a little bit more posh. I've been in Johannesburg, and that's, I mean, there's a lot of culture there. Just, just a lot going on. Yeah. Were you glad that you traveled in groups because of experiences like that? Is that generally how you travel? I do tend to travel with, you know, the same group of friends or parts of that group. You know, my fraternity brothers. There's about probably a group of ten to twelve of us who it's always, you know, a portion of that group who are taking a trip. Now I'm gonna throw them under the bus, you know. Now they're all washed up, having kids and getting married. So washed. <laughs> the, group, the, <laughs> the group's getting smaller. The group's getting smaller, but right. <laughs> we're still keeping it going. We got some things coming up this year, so 
I'm looking forward to that. That's what's up. Yep. So a solo travel not interest you to this point or it's just always better with your homies? Um, so I've done solo travel and I enjoyed it, but I think it was because I went somewhere where that was conducive. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I like being with my friends. I like being with a group of people. It's fun. You can do more. It makes things more affordable. We need to split like housing and things like that. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not that much of a loner. Got you. Got you. I'm raising my hand yeah. high because I am. Um, but I do like to mix it up when I can. So I, I respect people doing it both ways. And if they're your fraternity brothers, like that's a whole different bond. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it's definitely about who you travel with. Like I've been on trips with people and I wished I was alone. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, but yeah, having the right group of people when you're all on the same page, you got the same agenda, you got the same budget, you know, there's not that many, <laughs> not that many issues. And uh, one thing I noticed lately, and I posted it on my personal Instagram, but I'm curious uh, because you're a, you're a Q. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I've noticed a lot of cues. I've noticed a lot of Kappas traveling. I haven't noticed much of anybody else traveling that really strongly identifies with their fraternity. Do you think there's any sort of reason behind that? <laughs> um, well, I'll speak for my fraternity alone. Mm -hmm. uh, just to say that we are proud members well beyond college. Um, we have some of the most established chapters at the graduate level. So even as grown men back in their communities, we tend to represent just as hard as we would have, you know, in a college step show that that enthusiasm doesn't really die down after college, which I think is one of the main differences between um, us and some of the other fraternities. OK, fair. I don't know much about it. I never pledged. I never crossed. I just observe it now more in kind of like my adult life where these are very strong bonds. And I meet a lot of individuals uh, like yourself who are just impressive. And I'm like, damn, like, did I miss out on something? <laughs> and I'm just, you know, curious to see, you know, uh, what that kind of culture results in. But I have noticed mostly Kappas and Qs, even on the uh, popular black travel pages. Yeah. That's most of the people that I see repping for real. I think I've I've definitely noticed the same thing. Yeah. But I mean, our motto is friendship is essential to the soul. So aligning yourself with other people with like ideals definitely takes you higher in life than you could have went alone. That's profound, man. That is profound. I'm with it. So before we talk about like maybe cultural things or how travel shaped your identity, do you have any other uh, amazing trips you've taken that just stood out to you as like, hey, this is something I'll remember for the rest of my life? Oh, man, let's, let's pick one out. Um, one of my favorite places was Venice. I did that as a solo trip. Really? Venice, Italy. Yeah, that was that was dope. It's so quiet. It's beautiful. The architecture. One thing, you know, people who really know me know that I love water. So, okay. you know, Venice is a series of islands. Um, you navigate through them on canals. Um, so being surrounded by water and, you know, just walking over all these many bridges um, across and through water was like, I was in heaven. I love water. I love the way it smells. I love the way it looks. Right. I love, <laughs> I love seafood. So I was just in heaven. I was eating seafood for the whole time I was there. And it's a peaceful place. One thing I realized, I think this was the first time in my life that I was in a place that doesn't have cars. Okay. So no cars, really? No cars in Venice. So understanding what real silence is, yeah, everybody's just on foot or in a boat. Wow. Yeah, wow. So at night, like not having that hum of like machines and stuff going on, 
mm-hmm. just dead, dead silent. It was well, that was that was my first experience with that. So that was kind of crazy. Wow, that's wild. I haven't been out there yet, but that sounds incredible. And I'm imagining bar hopping on a boat. Is that how it works? <laughs> yeah, you can actually. A lot of the restaurants are actually set up on the water, so you can pull right up in a gondola, hop off, eat, drink, and then hop back on. Wow, that's super dope. That's super dope. And I'm surprised you mentioned Venice because I know you've been to all different sorts of places, but I like that it spoke to you, the connection with water and just how uniquely organized it is. Because that's, I mean, sometimes Venice might seem a little played out or seem like, oh, there can't be much there. People have been going to Italy for a long time, but uh, you pulled out an angle that I don't think of when I think of Venice. So now when I think of it, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's where the gondolas are. And that's where I can get drunk on a boat. Like, that's what's up. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So out of all your travels, has um has exploring the world and, and being in all these different places, has it evolved your identity being a man of color? Have you seen yourself differently either when you come back to the States or just how you view yourself personally? Definitely. Um, in terms of personal development, growing up, I was very much introverted. Right. And I'm still not a huge people person, but traveling kind of traveling kind of forces you to interact with people and have conversations. And I think I've built those skills strictly because of travel. Um, I'm a better conversationalist. Um, I'm more open to other people's views and seeing different sides of a story or understanding perspectives. So that's one of the things that I'm most proud to say I've gained from traveling is, you know, just being a little more outgoing and understanding and talking to people and getting to know people. That's real. That's real. And have those specific skills because they are so critical in many areas of life. Have you noticed um, you benefiting from those skills in your travels, like in your job and your work? Maybe indirectly. I do a lot of networking. Um, so okay. that definitely helps with that. You know, going in the rooms, um, I'm sure anybody can relate to being one of the only black folks in the room when they're at work. So right. going to conferences and networking events and still feeling comfortable to put yourself out there. And um just build relationships is definitely something that I've gotten better at. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And relating it to stuff that could help us make more money, I think is important for, especially for men of color who haven't traveled, because sometimes it seems like, well, what's the point in spending this money and this time when I need to be back home hustling, but you can go on a trip and realize that you've developed a whole skill set that um, you wouldn't have really been encouraged to if you had just stayed at home. Man, you have no idea. And I think about that often, just about, um, being adamant about not passing up opportunities to go places, even if it's to to the next city over, you never right. know who you're going to meet, who you're going to meet or what opportunity is going to be presented to you. So I'm, I'm very strict on trying to make it places if I can. If it makes sense, I'm going to try mm-hmm. to be there, whether that's somebody's birthday party or a networking brunch that's in D.C. and I got to drive three hours because that's the real thing in like two weeks. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. But yeah, I, I just try to make sure I'm in those places where, you know, people are and things are happening because, you know, if you stay home, you miss out. A hundred percent. Now, an interesting question for you, since you do travel with what I assume got to be some very like-minded friends, even though your group is getting smaller, it seems like, do you feel like there are a lot of men of color traveling from your perspective or in your circle? Or do you feel like we're just kind of missing from the scene? Mm, so that's interesting. No, I'm going to say it is still a minority of men of color that travel, um, yeah. that travel often, at least. 
you know, living in the same place where I grew up, I'm still close with a lot of my friends that I grew up with and went to, you know, middle school and high school with. And I can say confidently that, you know, I'm part of maybe the 3% who travel extensively um, out of the people I grew up with. Yeah. So it's definitely more of, you know, my fraternity brothers and friends that I made post-college who are young professionals and, you know, climbing that socioeconomic ladder that we're all striving to climb um, Mm. that have those opportunities. But it's definitely a small group. However, I think being on social media and showing people these different places and then having conversations like this about how it can be accessible to anyone and how it's not as expensive as you think and don't tell yourself no is important to help bring people along. A hundred percent, bro. And I like that you hinged on um, social media being an access point and, um, you know, discussions too, because we see a lot of pictures, but it's totally different to sit and plug in, you know, wherever you are listening to this and listen to someone like you talk for however long the show's going to go. I think that really makes a big difference. So my hat's off to you and all the other guests for being so transparent about your experiences. Yeah, man. Shout out to everybody who's on social media. It's not all about the flex. It's really about representation and showing people that it's possible. And you wouldn't believe, you know, how many DMs I get from people I grew up with. Like, you know, how do I get a passport? You know, where do I go? Where do I start? And, uh, you know, we got to connect those dots for them. Yeah, it's not about flexing on people, man. We got to lift as we climb. That's what's up. And also show people that we do belong in these spaces. Yeah, absolutely. That too. So before we round out, bro, let's... uh. Give me your top three tips for, for making travel more accessible, especially for, for men of color. And then we want to talk about what you have popping off. So what would be your top three? It can be about saving money. It can be about looking for deals. Just give me your Rick's three points. These will be Rick's gems on this one. All right. Um, first gem, figure out when to travel to the places you want to go. There's something called shoulder seasons, which is right you know before things really heat up in the summer. And summer can be different in different parts of the world um, or right after prime time cools down or the best times to go. Usually the weather is still nice, but there's not as many crowds and, you know, flights and accommodations are way, way cheaper just by pushing your trip back, um, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple of days sometimes, you know, just pushing it back after a major holiday can really change the expenses of a trip. So don't set your dates before you research the place. Okay. Tip two is definitely budgeting. I'm huge on budgeting. Um, I have spreadsheets. I have apps that I use. Um, I move money between different savings accounts. I hide it from myself. But one of the things that saves me a lot of money during the week is just not eating out. When I'm home, I meal prep. You know, I'm, I'm big on fitness. So I cook all my meals for the week. I spend maybe 75 bucks a week on food. And then, you know, when I got a trip coming out, that's when I'll treat myself. I'll go all out. Steak, lobster, wine, because, you know, I earned it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And number three, I like the budgeting one. And actually, real quick on the budgeting one, could you uh, shout out maybe one or two apps that you use? Because apps do make things easier. Not everybody can make their own spreadsheets. Absolutely. So there's actually um, a new app that came out called Stacks Okay. Um, that I'm using. I'm using currently to save for trips this year, where it just it automatically deposits a certain amount from your account. So if you say, I want to save, say, $500 by July for this trip, it'll calculate how much you need to save either per week, uh, biweekly or monthly, and you can set the automatic transfer 
where it'll pull that money out of your account so you don't even see it. And Word. before you know it, you've got your travel fund in this little account in this app. And when you're ready to go on your trip, you just withdraw it and you're good to go. So Stacks is the name of that app. Okay. And I bet you, well, I'll ask your opinion on it. You don't even miss the money, do you? You really don't. It's better when it comes out ahead of time like that. You don't have to think about it. You know, you probably would have spent it on nothing anyway. Bottles of water at the gas station add up. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. So you wouldn't miss it. You know, it comes down to, you know, maybe what, 40, 50 bucks every couple of weeks is disappearing out of your account. You're not going to miss it. Right. Right. And I think that's a big fear that people have is, well, if I'm budgeting, I need this money. And it's like, no, you really realize that your life doesn't change much at all. But now you can have this amazing experience at the end of, you know, your allocation period. You got that. You got that stack, half a stack saved up. Right. Like you say, your life is not going to change at all by sending some money to the side. No, no. In fact, you might even make a better decision about something. But that's for another podcast. (laughs) So give me your third gym, bro. Um, I think it has to do with work, honestly. That's one of the biggest things is taking advantage of your benefits, understanding how your vacation days, personal days or whatever they're called at your job, PTO, understand how those work and knowing that you can negotiate for more the same way you negotiate for a salary increase. That's a major, that is a major gem right there. A lot of people do not realize that's possible. And do you have an example of how you've kind of used some negotiation or maybe a deeper understanding of your policy to find a way to make your work situation fit your travel goals? Coming into a new position, when they present you, you know, what this is the salary we're offering and these are the benefits. And that's one of those conversations they kind of try to rush through Mm -hmm. and looking at those benefits and then asking questions. Can I get maybe two more vacation days here in exchange for less of this? Like this is a benefit that I probably won't use. So how about I trade that in exchange for that? Smart. And I'm taking notes. So I hope anybody listening is also taking notes. A lot of professionals, especially I feel like professionals of color just don't even know that the rules are flexible, especially in corporate America. You can almost make anything happen. It's an employee's market these days. You know, employers have to please the employees these days. Mm-hmm. So take advantage of that. They need us. They need the skills that we have. They need our youth. They need our talent. So make them pay for it. Top dollar. That's real, bro. Three gems. I'm with it. I'll recap them right quick. So the first one was uh, determine your when you're going to travel. So shoulder seasons. And I'm sure people can Google that to get a better understanding of specifically what times of the year and in what countries that means something. Budgeting and then uh, understanding your vacation or PTO policy at your job and being willing to negotiate for the things that will actually serve you rather than what they're telling you is a part of their benefits plan. Balance is an important part of your sanity. I encourage everybody to do what's best for them. 100%, bro. 100%. Well, dude, thanks for leaving us with those three gems. And now we want to hear what trips do you have coming up? What sort of projects are you working on? What's going on in your world? And how can we keep up with you? Uh, my next international trip is actually to Bali, Indonesia. Um, and I'm leaving at the beginning of April. So just in a couple of weeks, I'm traveling with a group called Gravel World. You can look them up on Instagram, G-R-A-V-E-L World. Um, and they've got a bunch of trips going on this year. But um, yeah, Bali in April, I'll be shooting a travel film. So look out for that. My website will be coming up soon. So you can see all of those videos and some of the photo content I've done over the years on different trips. But yeah, Bali, um, July, I'm doing Yacht Week Croatia for the second time, which I'm really looking forward to. I'm bringing more friends than than last time. Last time it was just me and uh, my homie Tyrese. 
But this time it's it's a big group of us, so we're gonna go and <laughs> act the fool on a yacht for a week. And in December, I'm actually going to Ghana for Afrochella, right after Christmas and through the New Year holiday. I also traveling with Gravel World again that time. I don't know if anyone's heard, but it's been 400 years since Ghana got their independence. So their president determined this as the year of the return for all the stolen children of Africa to come home. Yeah. So come on to Ghana this year. Come on to Ghana. Wow. Yeah, that sounds lit. And Yacht Week is, you are committed to these boats. I respect that, brother. Between Venice, the cruises, and Yacht Week, I see there's a a, a theme here, my friend. Water. I love boats. <laughs> I'm with it, man. You're the boat guy. And uh, can you tell me a little bit more about um, Gravel World? I haven't heard of them yet. Gravel World is a group um, that started out of Florida mm-hmm. um, that wants to spread awareness just about, you know, black people traveling the world and make it accessible. They actually had, I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you this, but there's an app coming out to help you make travel really easy, uh, especially traveling with the group. Yeah. So that's where gravel comes from. The GG is for group and then travel makes gravel. Lit. That's what's up. Well, definitely we'll um I'll plug them. Well, I won't plug them on the show, but people will listen to this and hear it. But if people want to see you, they can definitely um check out their profile too, right? Yeah, you'll see me on there. I have a few features um along with a few other people who work on that team. But um I definitely have an advertisement on their page for the Bali trip. Okay. That's what's up, bro. And shout out to you and everybody else who is leveraging their experiences and being put on in publications and on trips and tours, speaking events too. Like I'm proud of these black brothers out here, mostly black brothers who are um, just doing it and representing all of us is great. Absolutely. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful to see. Yeah. Build that platform, bro. Well, dude, this has been a great conversation, uh, a great time learning about more of your experiences and dropping some serious gems, like for real, for real gems on how others can have similar experiences, man. And I hope to have you back on the show. Thank you so much for spending time with us. It's a pleasure. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, man. Anytime. So safe travels. Can't wait to hear about this Yacht Week in Croatia. I'm kind of tempted to pull up, but we'll talk about those details (laughs) later. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hit me me offline. We'll get you there. (laughs) (laughs) Will do. Will do. Be easy. Take care. All right. Peace. ships, gondolas, yachts. Rick has the waters on lock. Make sure you follow him on Instagram at Rick underscore on the run. And thanks again, brother, for sharing so much value. Shoulder season, Sebastian at Carnival Cruise Line. Shout out Sebastian, the Stacks app. So many powerful tools that no matter where you are in your travel journey, I'm sure you're going to find one of those pieces of information useful, especially the PTO thing. So many working professionals don't know that PTO is negotiable. So try these things out. Would love to hear how it works for you. That being said, I think at one point in an interview, I referred to South Africa just as Africa twice, I think, in the same sentence. When I was editing, I noticed it. And when you know better, you got to do better. So I got to, you know, call myself in on that one. Definitely meant to say South Africa for those who were listening more intently. So there's my uh, letter to the editor on myself. But hope you enjoyed this session of the Point Noir podcast. If you love the podcast and what we do and the content we provide, please don't hesitate to leave us a review, your honest opinion on iTunes especially, and share an episode with somebody. Again, we sponsor a man of color to get his passport every single month. And if you're interested in learning more about podcasting, I'll be co-hosting a seminar in Atlanta, March 30th, details to come. So until next week, please, everybody, 
travel and stay safe stay well live your best life i'll see you next time peace Thank you.